You're going to edit this out to make me not look like an idiot, right? You don't look like an idiot. You look like a regular person. Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast all about beer and video games. A very special episode this week, as I am in Calgary at one of my favorite microbrews, the Wabros Brewery, uh, which I've been a fan of since basically I uh, started drinking way back in the year 2000, at least legally drinking. Uh, I'm joined by Mark Kerrigan, uh, one of the brewers here in Wild Rose, who I also know from another podcast Facebook group, The Flophouse, which is a great podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's a podcast where they watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm really glad uh, we can make this happen in my brief uh, five days-ish in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, me too. This is awesome to, you know, put an actual face to a name and uh, meet up in person and get to voice yeah. beer yeah it's 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 a nice uh confluence of internet friends and podcasting in the sort of two different ways it's very strange when people you only know online and then that weird where the real world meets the online world it's yeah it's, yeah. it's a very strange kind of confluence yeah i mean i had this weird thing so a year ago i went to the egx gaming expo which is coming up here in the last week of september which is mm-hmm. like um the uk's um e3 kind of thing okay yeah and uh but that was the first time I met most of the people on the podcasting network because I was mm-hmm. still living in Halifax. Oh, right uh, on. Until yeah. last year. So I kind of like talked with people all, all day, every day on our Slack channel, et cetera, but didn't yeah. really, hadn't actually met any of them and even podcasted with them. And I was like, oh, that's what your face looks like. like yeah. That's how you act. That's super interesting. And this is like another layer of that because, of course, we've never actually heard each other's voices. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, wow. and and because we actually have two breweries now, like we've got our main facility that's like fifteen times the size of this one is out in the southeast end of town. And that's also where all the offices are. So oh, there's okay. people that I email with all day long that I see maybe once every three or four months, even though they're literally right. just across town. So, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really weird having. Yeah. When did um when did the new larger location open? Uh, about three years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, as we were talking on uh, off air, uh, I left Canada in 2010, and so my knowledge of the size and sort of even what's on tap of Wild Rose is woefully out of date. Um, but that's yeah. really cool that you guys have been doing so well. That you have like a, a large yeah. facility. Yeah, and so we still we kept this one open, and there's just enough work to keep one person very busy. So that. That's me and me, yeah. That's awesome. Well, you get the tap room, though. It's yeah, nice yeah. flow of people and sites, as soon you yeah. don't really see because you're in the back. This is true, yeah, yeah. And so today, we you, you have some experimental beers, you said. Yeah, a couple things that are uh, literally just at the experimental stage that they're not even any... Uh, there's no there's no plan for these ever to go into commercial production. Just we've got a very small, like, 30-liter test system. Right. And whenever I have time... Um, I like, yeah, I play around on it, runs, runs some stuff through. That's where all of our new beers start off is just right. kind of an idea on that, that we're very much a, a grassroots kind of for at least the ideas end of the brewery. Like it's weird that people have this impression that we're very big, but we just have a very good marketing department. We're still <laughs> less than 1% of the Alberta market, but people think we're huge because they see our logos everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, we just have a really good marketing department. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I mean, 
one of the reasons I became intimately familiar with Wild Rose was because for ages the grad lounge at the University of Calgary oh, yeah. Um, yeah. has has been a Wild Rose house, and so um, you know, ten dollar pitcher of beer on Fridays was just how I ended every week. Years. Yeah. Yeah. That in the free pool table. Um, so what are we uh, trying now? We're drinking right now. It is a smoked dunkel. So it's it's oh. a uh, it's a wheat beer. It's a dark German style wheat beer, but it uses some uh, some smoked malt in it. It's actually uh, an oak smoked wheat malt okay. from uh, Weirman Malting out of Germany. Uh, this was literally I just did this to make use of some smoked wheat malt we had like a while back. We were doing a smoked coffee porter. Oh, excellent. And so we had ordered some of the malt, and it didn't show up. So we ordered it from another company, and then we had twice as much show up at right. once. So I'm like, well, I got a little bit of this extra. So just wanted to see uh, see uh, what I could do with it, make some use of the couple bags I have lying around. Right. So. That's really cool. It's uh, Yeah, it is very dark. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very, very slightly translucent, like mm-hmm. completely black, but it's... um. Looks like it's a sort of an orangey brown in the bits that actually show light. Yeah, very, very dark. Yeah. Like dark, dark amber, almost ah, almost, go, yeah. almost black, yeah. Yeah. It's got a bit of a tower nose. Little touch. It's the, uh, I think that's coming from the smoke, or it might even mm. be from the, because the dark malt that goes into this one, well, the the oak smoked wheat malt, right. but then the, the darkness all comes from roasted wheat as opposed to roasted barley. Okay. So you don't get the astringency that you would with like a stout or a porter. Right. Because in this kind of beer, that would be really unstylistic. Yeah. It's a very similar, other than that, it's very similar to a, like a wit beer, but no, yeah. no spices, no coriander, no uh, orange peel or anything. Uh, wit beer yeast right. in it. And then the grain bill is... Very similar to a wit beer, except with the addition of the smoked malt and the uh, the dark malt. Right, to and I can it. definitely taste. Uh, it's very malty. It's got that that mm-hmm. roundness and a slight sweetness coming out of it. I also feel like totally on the spot because I'm not used to like sitting beside the person who literally made it. It's, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this is one of those like don't uh, don't feel like you're criticizing me or anything because this is something that. I didn't. Ex- I expected this to be a drain pour when I oh, made really? it because I'd never made a style like this before, and I read a bunch of stuff online about people who tried this style, and all of them said they were like, "Oh, it was gross. It was disgusting. Too much smoke." And so I really dialed back the smoke. From I was going to say it's and- actually. I find the smoke really doesn't come out until almost just before the finish. It's really. very subtle. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then it, as everything else starts to fade, sort of on the my tongue, there's that lingering mm-hmm. smokiness. But I'm actually. Uh, I think if I didn't know there was smoked malt in it, I might not have actually easily yeah. sought it out, which yeah. is um, impressive given how strong smoke can overtake things. Yeah. Yeah, like I really dialed it back because I didn't want to overdo it. Yeah. And then I had read that with the uh, the kind of fruitiness and the phenolics of that wit beer yeast. Right. And then phenolics and smoke together, often like too much of that together tastes like an infected beer. Like you get that Band-Aid-y kind of right. characteristic or yeah. like uh, solventy sort of thing. So. I didn't want to overdo that, so I think I could. If I were to do it again, I might actually step the smoke up a, a little say, bit more. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I think it, it definitely. There's room definitely for more of that mm. smoke because, like I said, it's very nuanced, subtle. Like it's sort of, I guess, if you don't look for it, you might not notice that's yeah what's rounding yeah. the character out. I also like um how the sweetness coming from the malts um mm. fades pretty quickly off of, like the finish. Isn't super sweet, despite the fact the main taste has that sort of round sweetness of the malt, yeah. off the malt, um, off the malt, uh, which I really appreciate because I like malty sweetness. But often, if it overstays its welcome, it's syrupy. Yeah, that's exactly really it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it sort of ruins 
the beer um, in the sense of like what you're left with isn't the good part of the taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big Finnish, and um, uh, it does have a dry mouthfeel, mm-hmm. but not not like it doesn't doesn't feel like my mouth is dried out, but it does sort of leave a linger, which to me just makes me want to drink more, which I think is the perfect balance of wet, wet dry mouthfeel, though. Of, of a of especially a heavier beer is like it's going to leave you lingering, wanting you to sort of refresh more more quickly than, than yeah. Great. Um. So to the other half of the podcast, do you play video games? Uh, very sporadically. I'm somebody that like I'll I'll pound a few games in a couple of months and then I won't pick it up for eight months. Right. Kind of thing. Like I'll just get. Busy with other things. I was just saying, what, yeah. what, that's the pesky thing called life. That we, yeah, 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 grown up life. Yeah, yeah. We, we all have. Uh, we've noticed, especially this summer, just um, with with various uh, duties. So Lucy's been uh, working in a new place. Um, <laughs> ben has uh, just over a one year old, uh, and and I've been bouncing around and trying to actually start my work on my dissertation. And and, and we we have these gaming droughts, and then the only thing we can think of is, oh, it's just life. But yeah. What was the um, the last game you played? The last game I played, the absolute last one I played was probably Firewatch. Oh, excellent. I think uh, Firewatch, either that or Journey. And I was super late to the table with both of those, again, because it's like, life. there's so many stuff that I hear people like, oh, you should play this, you should play that. And then yeah. it's like, okay, back pocket that for six months until... So, yeah. so I also like that approach because, especially if you play on the PC, which obviously you can't with Journey, Super cheap. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. It, PC gaming, things do not stay at sticker price. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're six months late, you get a really quality game for two-thirds or half the price. Yeah. Having said that, I end up spending more money on half-price games than I probably would on full-price games. Well, you, you get four or five of them. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, you're, you're, it seems like you, you, you gravitate towards the sort of, uh, as we call them, news games, narrative uh, exploration walking simulators. Um, or is it just a coincidence that the last two were sort of more about how you are going versus sort of, uh, yeah, I tend to, well, I tend to be more of an RPG person, like, the. And by the, that you mean rock, repel, grenade, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you got to kill everybody in the room. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like, like I'm the reason I usually kind of wait until the next big Fallout game's out to buy a system that's, mm. you know, wait for wait for the new Fallout, and then buy that, and then the next Elder Scrolls will come out. Right. Like, I love those Bethesda, like, super big right. kind of RPG-type games. Um, they're a real good time sink. You know, yes, like that's, definitely uh, that. Because, you know, you can buy that one game, and if you're a sporadic gamer, it'll last you two years, oh, you know? Easy. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I play those a lot, and then I like those, and then the real, like, short kind of uh, low time commitment games like Journey or right. Firewatch, you know, where you can kill it in a week sort of right, thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. A few hours a night and then you're, you're yeah, done. Yeah. Um, the other advantage of coming late to the Bethesda game, uh, games is uh, that they've been patched if you go by them. Yes, that's, that's uh, correct. <laughs> yeah. The bane of, of, of day one purchases. I mean, they don't yeah. even send review copies anymore. Um, so, oh, really? Yep. They just stopped giving review copies. Yeah. To critics, so that you wouldn't know how how horribly buggy it is until <laughs> you buy it. And it's like, wow. Not a lost save games, yeah. Yeah, it's like, wow, you guys are. That's not the way you do this. Yeah, but yeah. um, oh, so uh, so RPGs, so JRPGs, or uh, mostly no, the mostly like Western style. Liter- well, mostly just the Bethesda <laughs> ones that like because I play so sporadically. 
I don't have time to sink in anything else. You know, right. if, if it's a 120 plus hour game, you know, it'll be, that'll be it. And that'll, that's, that's five 18, 18 months or yeah. two years worth of gaming time for me. So, yeah. Especially where, how they all like have narrative branches now. So it's like you can sink that time into yeah, it. It's and like, then, now what if I was evil, you know, yeah, exactly. and go back and try and play it as an evil? Or what if I, what if I only punch things, you know? So. Yeah, do you hear about the one guy who did, um, Fallout 3? Uh, and then New Vegas, he, he, it's a last, let's play series, um, which is the entire game where he kills everyone. It is, he go, any character, he will, he sees it, he kills it, and it changes a lot of the flow of the game, because we're talking about quest givers as well, yeah. right? But he's just like, you let me kill him, I'll kill him. And it's a really bizarre thing that you kind of can get hooked into watching. That's, uh, like you can put it on when yeah. you're like, like on your tablet or whatever, when you're cooking or when yeah. you're doing other things and just watch this really weird playthrough of a game you're familiar with yeah. that just does not work the same way because no one no one lasts and so yeah, there's you no just kill everyone yeah, yeah super interesting i don't think he's done a fallout 4 but i also i'm not sure if fallout 4 um interacts the same way but vegas new vegas and fallout 3 yeah you can just kill anyone and just sort of roam the world looking for more npcs to down. just kill yeah. right? and and it's not like he he still has conversations with them. It just, yeah. they won't. They're then going to kill them. Yeah. So, like, yeah. all the, the, the whole narrative path is just fucked. Yeah. But it, still, you can go to the places and find people and talk to them. And yeah, it's just a very weird, really interesting approach to, like, you have the, you gave me the power. What if I didn't care about what your, like, railroading slash linear path <laughs> that you really want? Yeah. 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 What if your narrative was balls, basically? Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. I saw the one where the guy killed nobody. Have you seen that one? Yeah, the, the I think, I think, yeah. I think this guy thought, oh, what if I just did the opposite? Yeah. Same guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really interesting, the where he puts it all into, like, speech, speech and computers or something. So, yeah. and then if you do that, you can basically get through the game without killing yeah. anybody. Yeah. yeah, by just negotiating. Talking your way yeah. at everything, yeah. Which is hilarious. Um, yeah. and a bit, a bit like these, um, these Journey Sash Firewatch games where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, what if you didn't give a shit about killing it in a game? Which but yeah, so uh, you said Journey, so were they both on and Firewatch, I'm assuming, PS4? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Both downloads on PS4. Yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm guessing that you, you're just counting the days until you buy that PS4 Pro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not within my budget right now. It's like if, it, if, if, they, if they come out with a new Fallout game that's only on only, the yeah, PS4 yeah. Pro, that'll be, you know, probably the day I do that. But, but uh, yeah, totally facetious. I mean. Excuse me. Uh, 4K TV is a couple grand. Yeah. There's no point in getting a PS4 Pro unless you have one. Who has one? About 40 people. But yeah. So, yeah. did you play Fallout 4, I assume? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was when day I bought one? my PS4. I didn't buy it day one. I kind of watched for the prices on the PS4 to come down, waited till right. it was on sale, and it's like, went out, scooped that, and Fallout 4 right. the same day. Right. So, yeah, so... Now, there's mixed opinions on that. What, what did you think as far as it fits in the Say the Bethesda chain of. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. I um, it took me a long time, like almost half my first playthrough, to get onto like the crafting mechanisms and right. figuring out like the settlement building and a lot of the like, like just kind of like what is this for? What's the point of this? Right. And then you hit a point you're like, oh, I realize why this is here. I get what this is for. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people sort of complained about those mechanics, but it seems like all it did was make. Like you didn't, if, if you can get through most of a playthrough of the game without interacting with that at all, then yeah. what's there to complain about except more content? I guess? Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't have to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So so you said first playthrough. 
yes, I'm, I'm, cause I did a first playthrough and I haven't completed my second one. Like that was, I probably haven't picked it up in six months, but I wanted to try the, uh, the all hand to hand combat cause, oh. you know, in all the previous Fallout games, hand to hand combat was like so hard to do. Right. But I had read that it's broken the other way in this one, that if you actually max out your hand to hand combat, you're basically unstoppable. And, really? And it is pretty much true that if you get to a point where you can like walk into a room, go into vats, like select, 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 and then it just cuts to an animation of you running around the room and punching people and they explode. <laughs> uh, it's old. pretty fun. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to have to try that out. I actually got Fallout 4 on a Steam sale. Oh, right on. Haven't started it yet. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's the same thing with The Witcher 3, actually. Mm-hmm. I have a copy of that, but like... Uh, so, grad school um, is is a great thing for guilt. Mm-hmm. So, anytime you start a thing that's not research, you think I shouldn't be doing this immediately. Yeah, which is why I don't watch as many movies as I used to because that's two hours of time wasting yep. that I can't quite justify. But a half hour program I can justify eight times in a row. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Just but like, but yeah. it's the same thing with games. I can play, you know, games. I can have a six hour binge on a game, but. They, can't be a game that like needs six hours yeah and so um when i got the free special edition of skyrim i'm like oh i never really finished that game maybe i'll start that up again and yeah um because they gave it away to all pc users if you owned all the expansions and the original they just gave you the special edition oh nice yeah it was a nice little like hey we appreciate you uh and then fallout 4 witcher 3 same same it's just the the just the idea of I'm going to need to spend X hours, hundreds, uh, yeah. yeah, hundreds, at least 120 probably, if not 250 kind of thing, um, to the way I play games where I'm a little too much of a completionist. Not with it, um, not, I don't care about collectibles and stuff, but like, yeah. side quests, oh, I'll do yeah. the side quests. Oh, me too, yeah. 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 And so it's like, oh, well, I can't afford to, like, I'll never finish this game. If I'm only playing it, you know, a few hours a week, then it'll take me a couple years, so what, why bother starting? And then, of course, uh, now it's like, oh, I kind of want to play an RPG, but my brain's telling me I shouldn't. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm still like, oh, I'd really like to play Fallout 4. It, sound, it sounds really cool, and I like the Fallout series. Buy it, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't start it. So. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally understand that. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing with work and everything else and home life. And, yeah, that sinking, that kind of time and something. So. But it seems like you have a good balance of... I. I'll just buy big games infrequently because that's also the cheaper way of doing it. Um, it's true, yeah. And yeah. if you like long, epic games, then just, you, you seem to have made your peace with the fact that it might take 18 months. Well, yeah. I seem to be like, oh, God, it'll take me a couple of years to finish this game. I'll just not start it. And it's like, oh, man, I've heard really good things about that game. I'll probably start it sometime. Yeah, sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you retire, you'll have time to sit down and play every single one of the... Between, that came out before and between now oh, so and this is, retirement. So yeah. this is the problem with my completionist stuff is that I missed a few of the Assassin's Creed games and so now uh-huh. it's like oh well I should pretty I have to fill in those blanks and I should fill them oh, in order. Yeah. Oh wait some of them are garbage but uh, I start the game that's garbage because that, I should finish it and then I stop playing the entire series because I'm stuck on a garbage one. It's like, yeah, why you don't got you hung just up. stop? I can't. I'm, yeah, I'm working on that so uh, I also forgot until recently Easy and Spring Yes. Oh, someone mentioned that. Uh, actually, um, Dave did on the uh, Out of the Crossfire podcast, and uh, one of our sister podcasts. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just he was not having fun with Uncharted One, and heard really good things about the series, and so he just 
threw it on easy, raced through it, then put a then started an uncharted two back on normal. Like, oh, how come I've totally forgot difficulty level levels exist? Yeah, they're supposed to be fun. They're, they're, yeah, you're, you're doing it for recreation. If you're not having fun, then you know something's gone horribly yeah. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's apparently my my mo is something's gone horribly wrong. If, if your fun makes you angry, yeah. I would tell that to people who play like um, MMOs. For a long oh time. yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever fallen into those holes, but like the no. regimented scheduling and anger that comes out of raiding guilds. Like yeah. anyone having real fun? It's like a second job. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you, exactly. That, you gotta that be you're here a certain time. You have expectations on you. You're letting everybody down. You know, it's it's yeah. Doesn't yeah, sound like a lot like of fun. Forty man raid means there's thirty nine other people who are making time for this. So you better fucking do it. And also, yeah. that's put a whole bunch of pressure on your two hours of playing a video game because you have to like hit the right sequence of buttons in a row. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you've memorized them because they don't change that much. Yeah, <laughs> unless something goes wrong. But yeah. So, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. I totally derailed myself. Anyway, uh, so that that's um, what was your first um. Experience with video games, and then I'm going to follow that up with just just you know your first experience with games. Uh, my first experience with video games was probably like Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh yeah, yeah, probably when I would have been five or six, I think that was. Uh, and it was it was weird because it was not even something that I asked for or particularly wanted. I just remember it being like my parents got that for Christmas for me, That's... kind of thing. That that was the thing, like. It was before, like, I don't even recall there being any hype about it. it. Like, it was just like, oh, this is what you get, you know? Everybody's getting it, you know? Yeah, I think that's sort of how it came into my household. Like, I'm the youngest of three, and my older sisters were not, have never really been super into video games. We had the Sega Genesis with Aladdin. Everyone in my family loved that game. But, um, yeah, and then we just, we got an S as I like it. All three of you are getting this, and, you know, Mario Brothers Nut Hunt, the little game cartridge, and it just, you know, I was really young, so, you know, four or something. Yeah, I don't remember when it came out, but Google it won't. Um, but, uh, and, and yeah, it was just, I think everyone, that was just the default gift one year. Everyone yeah. got this thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not like, but like the hype must have been at the parent level, because I don't remember, like, being super stoked, like, we need to get a Nintendo, being in, like, yeah, my vague memories of the time, it's just like, oh, yeah, you got a Nintendo, and so did my cousins, and so did my other cousins. Everyone yeah. got a Nintendo that year. Um, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, I, it's my number one gaming achievement, is I've beaten that game. In 12th grade, I beat that game on in one life with no warp, warp zones. Wow. Yeah, it was a $20 bet that still owes me money for because <laughs> and uh, I had a NES hooked up to a TV uh, at home mm-hmm. this is like 2000, 2001 had a NES also I was in, uh, in the student union and the student union room had an old like wood panel TV and a Genesis and a NES and a SNES hooked up uh, part way through the year someone stole the NES but for a lot of, I skipped a lot of classes to play that game and then I went home and played that game <laughs> In a way, only a teenager can just do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I did it. And it was like, shit, I did it. And I was like, oh, I don't believe you. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. If yeah. I was going to lie, I would have lied like months ago. Because it took me three months to yeah. do this. Uh, devoting way too much time. Uh, like, I must have made like a 
tenth of a cent an hour, if that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's my fond memory of Super Mario Brothers. Is this bizarre bet that uh, also is it's one of those things you see on YouTube maybe now, but like yeah. to do it for yourself is such a strange idea. Like yeah. no one's going to see it, no one's going to watch it. Why would you just devote hours upon hours upon hours to the idea of being this just to know that you did it? Yeah, it seems really foreign now in the in the modern sort of speed runs are all online and they're all oh online. yeah everybody does yeah. that now. But so original Nintendo, and yeah. then did you uh, did you do the standard Nintendo path? Um, no, did Nintendo then to Sega Genesis actually? Oh, so did we? Yeah, switched up to Genesis. <coughs> Never did Super Nintendo. Um, had a Genesis like through high school. Then I went away to university and kind of got out of it for a little bit. As you do. Um, then, I think a PS1, actually. A roommate I had in probably sort of my third year university. Right. Um, my roommate had a PS1. and then, But it was one of those roommate situations where he basically lived with his girlfriend, but all his stuff was at right. our place. <laughs> so I played uh, a lot of, uh, oh, I can't even remember what game, but Tony Hawk. Right. And what else was on that? Uh, oh, what was the what was the Ninja game? Ninja Gaiden? Uh, it was Ninja Gaiden. Um, shoot, I can't remember what the, the the one for the PS1 was. But yeah, I played a lot of that one as well. Not Tenchu, was it? No, it was, I don't think it was Tenchu. This is so long ago. Yeah, this no is, worries. This is a also, lot of years and brain um, cells ago. For those of you who can't see the screen, which is everyone but Mark and I, um, I just Googled PS1 Ninja Games, and the fifth result is Final Fantasy Tactics. Because Google's actually terrible at its job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder what it was. What was what's that first one, Ninja? Ninja Shadow of the Darkness? It might have been that one. Yeah, that that's it, actually. Huh. That's, that's the one right there, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That that ninja game, it's literally called Ninja. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were totally on on point. Um, so PS1, um, but I mean, you played sort of off and on, I assume, then? Because yeah. it wasn't yeah. yours? Off and on, and then I had friends who had, uh, like, uh, Xbox and stuff, but I kind of fell out of it as being, like, for a regular gamer for yeah. a while, and I didn't really pick it up again until I ended up. Well, I did a bunch of traveling and stuff, and then ended up out in Calgary. And uh, I had like a PS2 given to me by a friend of my wife's, so I played a little bit on that. And, and that's then... a friend of both of your wives, or <laughs> a friend of my wife's? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, it's okay. It's a joke I'd make too. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> it's given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's sort of what happened. To, I mean, I fell out of console gaming pretty quickly, um, but mostly because I, I mean, became a Big computer nerd in general, and then mm-hmm. so it was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build the fanciest computer I can. Well, what what do you do with the fanciest computer you can? Play the big most games, big games, right? Yeah. Um, and then I I worked in mm-hmm. IT during university, IT support center at the university, and then so all the nerds there were also mm-hmm. big uh, PC gamers, and so that's what kept my gaming alive. Not a few games here and there, but again, really, I I, I think I had probably a similar sort of trajectory of like. Uh, I had like my roommate in undergrad was a PSP game, yeah. Game. Um, and um, but I didn't really play the console much unless it was like, oh hey, do you want to play Racing Game X or whatever at yeah. the same time? Yeah. Um, but then I I got a projector and uh, hooked my PC to it and we played a whole shit ton of GTA three 
and nice yes. San Andreas on the wall. And yeah. That became a regular weekend thing where we'd all go to uh, out, out for drinks during undergrad and then just end up, you know, in my basement suite playing video yeah. games on the wall, you know. Uh, but it was very much a, a party gamer for a long time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, how it goes, I think, if, unless you have video gaming friends. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to just not fall out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, in university, they would actually book out, like, in evenings and weekends, book out, like, lecture halls with the big pull down screen oh, and the projector. Awesome. And so, you know, we'd go in and play, like, you know, like Halo or, um, even like Goldeneye, Halo Goldeneye. What was the one after Goldeneye? The oh shoot, ah, I can't even remember. Not, but... not one of the Quake games or anything like that. No, it was the one that started off that was supposed oh. to be the sequel to Goldeneye, but they lost the license for James Bond, and it ended up being it was some sci-fi first-person shooter. Not Gears of War. No, this is way before that when it was still like very uh, so, all polygony. So, kinda. so like N sixty four ish. Yes. Era. Yes. I have no idea. And I think, uh, so we actually ended up going to um, a couple, there were a couple of land cafes. Like there was one mm-hmm. in the north and one in the south in the early 2000s here in Calgary. And I can't remember the name of it now. But we would go like once every couple of weeks. Uh, and we, we would be like five or six of us. And we would, you know, we're in our early 20s. And we would play games like Far Cry and oh, Battlefield yeah. Vietnam every week. And we just have tons of fun killing each other. Because we were in the same room in a way that yeah. just doesn't exist now. Because, yeah, first yeah. of all, you can't even... Couch co-op is barely a thing. Couch co-op in, like, first-person shooters is... I mean, I guess Gears might have split-screen co-op or something like that. But other than that, like, everyone plays online in their own house. Yeah. But there is something magical about when someone headshots you from across the map and you just turn and look at them. Yeah. Yeah, when they're in the room with yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, our head of maintenance here at Wild Rose, he's actually real, still big into LAN parties that he has a bunch of, like, gamer friends, and they'll set up, and they'll play Quake kind of thing, and they'll get together, and, and nice. they'll do that, like, all weekend marathon sort of thing, so. That's that's, that's more intense than, than I think I could do, but I think, uh, I'm wondering if we'll see a resurgence of that, because um, a lot of people our age seem to be, who stay doing games, seem to be lamenting the lack of couch co-op. Yes, yes. Um, because, like, I remember, like, my cousins came over, and we played, like, Aladdin or Lion King, even, yeah. on the Genesis, and you'd play a life and hand the controller would play a life, um, or play Sonic 2, and one of you would control Tails, because you found out that was a thing you could do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just, there's something different about being in the room with someone. Mm-hmm. Most, most couch, quote-unquote, co-op games are, are like Towerfall Ascension or Black White Bushido, where you're playing against each other, trying yeah. to kill each other. In arena, arena battlers, basically. Yeah. Um, which is super fun, but it's also fun to play on the same team. Yeah, to work together, you know. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, some of my favorite uh, times gaming has been with my friends playing. I don't know if you ever played the Battlefront series back, the original Star Wars Battlefront. Oh yeah, on PC. Yeah. Yes, way way back. Yeah. yeah Battlefront yeah. Two is one of my favorite games ever, and the reason is because you could. You could just populate it with 64 bots, and you could all be on one side, or you could be on different sides. But then you'd have these epic Star Wars battles, because there'd be armies. Yeah. Um, and you would play at the LAN Cafe, or someone would bring over a computer, and by the, you know, we were still playing it when it was a little older, so you could put it on a laptop, and, and you know, four or five of you could play in the same room, and it was amazing. And then they came out with the more recent one, and it was, uh, 
decidedly less so. It just it didn't feel as epic. There's some some other things, but Battlefront Two is actually coming out in November. That's Battlefront Two, Two. The second Star Wars Battlefront Two, um, and it's apparently going to fix all the problems, with all the gaps that Battlefront One did. But it still won't be the same because you're going to be playing online with your friends with headsets versus yeah yelling at each other from across the room. room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've both finished our beers, so um, you want to move on to the second? Sure. Okay, this is not uh, something that is going to be a huge difference from that one. We're still in the dark and malty territory. Sounds good. Uh, this is a porter, and this is also uh, a smoked porter. Oh, okay. Again, I was working on using up some of that smoked malt I had right. lying around. And you toned it back on the last one, so you had extra, extra, extra. Yeah, well, I've still got, I've still got like, probably like 70, 70 kilograms of this, so I've got a, that's a lot of small batches. I was going to say, so, yeah. yeah, how much, you have 70 kilos, how much around did you use in each of these batches? Um, probably about a kilo a piece. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, and it makes you say this is in your thirty liter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yes, that's a lot of a lot a lot of smoke you need to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, it doesn't really go bad, kind of thing. And, yeah. You know, so I keep it around. Oh, so and, is it not terrible for an experimentation? No, have no. reading around. And I actually like to. I like it in almost anything with dark malt. Like I really like that smoked malt, and right. even if it's just in a small amount, it seems to really kind of bring it together. You know, bring the sweet sweetness and the roastiness together. So, so uh, yeah, I uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Isla single malt scotches, mm, and nice. I like that smoky taste. So now we're we're actually darker, a little redder, but mostly just darker. Yeah, almost like can't see through it. This yeah. one, this one's super super dark. There so, was a term for like a big. Must know the term for the, how black a beer is. Oh, like SRM or Lovavond, or I don't know. I can't remember the term. But there's a couple you, different yeah. scales for measuring it. Yeah, we learned this six months ago or something. We probably forgot. Oh, yeah, so dark. yeah, yeah <laughs> dark. It's really, really dark. Yeah, this is. It's actually quite a light nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very clean, very clean yeah. nose. Yeah, because again, like that's the last one using like a wit yeast that brings out a lot right. of like that fruit and spice kind of characteristic. But this was with a. Uh, an English style, very clean English yeast. Okay, so, so just, yeah. Ooh, ooh, I like this a lot. So first, it is smoke sweet. These with smoke. I've got a little plum. We'll touch of that. Yeah. Yep, that's kind of like the the middling type malts, kind of crystal malts in there. Bring that plum and raisin, brown sugar, molasses yeah. sort of thing to it. Yeah, those molasses, and I think with the smokiness, you get this nice sort of toffee. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not quite a toffee taste, but that's sort of what it's when it's Yeah, it just seems to bring it all together. Like the, yeah. that's a little touch of that smoked malt, not to the but it's not super smoky. Like it's not to the point where you're saying, Oh, this is a smoke beer, you know, yeah. but it's it's just a little it's that little extra something that kinda sits behind everything, you know? So Yeah. It's um there's a moment near the end of the sort of the taste if you give the whip the term, because obviously the finish is part of it, that's that's smoky. But mm-hmm. it's it's very quick, it's clean. Yeah, yeah. It, it disperses very quickly. This is a lower lower carbonation as well, so that helps with that kind of like dispersing. Right, quickly. It doesn't like, and it's yeah. quite wet in the mouthfeel mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Yeah, the whole thing sort of. This is a beer you could easily sip all afternoon if you if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. This is no real. Again, I think it's part of that is the finish is quite long, uh, and the other part is is wet enough. I don't feel thirsty after. 
Yeah, it's not syrupy. Again, it's, yeah. it's a very fairly dry beer. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But I've made this one I've made a couple times before, whereas the uh, the smoke dunkle was that was a first experiment. This one because we have uh, we hold these sort of special events. We give give them away for uh, for charity auctions, kind of. Oh, thing, cool. Where like a half dozen people come in, and I'll run them through a brew on our small thirty liter system. They come right. in for the day, and I kind of explain the whole process, and we right. run through like a beer of their choice. So, and I try to never brew the exact same beer twice. Right. So if they want a porter, I've used that as an opportunity to refine my porter recipe. Right. So this recipe <laughs> has been run through like a dozen times, so tweaked every time. So, yeah. I'm super curious. Um, what, uh, what's the most common request uh, of people going through that sort of process? Or is, there, or is it pretty much across the board? Um, I'd say probably the two most common, and it really depends. Like, I'll go in in spurts where it'll be wit after wit after wit after wit and then and then you get some dumb customers yeah <laughs> sorry yeah wit and then then i'll go in spurts where it's ipa after ipa right. after ipa those seem to be the two big ones and then I'll, I'll occasionally get the uh the worst is when when i get the people who are like veteran home brewers who want some super advanced style like they want to do like a czech pilsner or something right. that's got like it's all process in that beer, and so it's all like very, very fine-tuned process. So, right. Um, I'm not surprised by the IPA thing. I think um, we're in England. We're starting. We're seeing. I think this year has been a landmark year for the smaller, uh, sort of quote-unquote craft breweries mm -hmm. um, coming out with really interesting beers that aren't pale ales. Yeah. But I mean, especially when I lived in Canada, an IPA was like the the standard sort of, we're a craft brewery, check out our super hoppy IPA. Yeah. Uh, and now we're seeing a lot more, um, first of all, a lot more play in IPA, so they're not, they're no longer just how much bitterness can I punch you in the face with. Yeah. Um, but also we're seeing some really cool things in, in England with, um, uh, with Saisons, for example. Yeah. Uh, we actually tried a few from Estonia. Um, oh, cool. Although, uh, so Hala, which you can get um, at the, um, what are they called? Uh, while well, I lost the name of the Omnicloud Trail, the fancy uh, wine and spirits liquor store. Oh, uh, has W. Yeah, um, I'll edit this out. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I know the one you mean. Yeah, the, I was there two days ago. Willow Park. Willow Park. There we yeah. go. I'm not gonna edit it out. We got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Willow Park has has some Bahalas, and they're really good. Uh, and that's from Estonia? Yeah, yeah, from Tallinn, the capital. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Uh, um, it's interesting because they, their saisons are closer to 5% or 6%. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that it, like the landmark of a saison was that it sort of hovered around the 6 or 7%. I thought that was one of the staples. But uh, I'm glad that people aren't – well, one, I might be wrong. Uh, but two, I'm glad that people are being much more flexible. And it shows that we're seeing a lot more like – this year in, in the UK, we had a whole slew of um, grapefruit IPAs. Oh, nice. Um, which nice. is a great combination on a hot, <clears throat> sunny day when you want something sort of more with a little more beery punch. Something refreshing, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, we're starting to see a, lo a lot more um, variety in, in the types of beers, but also in the standards for craft beers. Mm -hmm. We're seeing new experimentation, even if it's following a trend, like you said, here. Uh, so. 
would you say that's similar in Canada, or would you say that there's sort of still those landmark craft brewery needs to have an IPA and you have you, and, you, you pretty much have to have an IPA, but it, like it's changed so much. Like I've been with Wild Rose over eleven years now, just over eleven years. And back then it was there was this stable of like the four or five styles. You had to have an IPA, you had to have a IPA, a dark, a wheat beer, and a yeah. fruit beer kind of thing were like the four standards. Which which were the fog, yep. the raspberry, fog raspberry, no meal stout. Was that um, no? That would have been Barracks Brown. The stout came a little bit later, right? Uh, which Bar- used to be the Wild Rose Brown, uh, wasn't it? Called the Brown Ale. Yes, yeah. yeah. It used to just be called Wild Rose Brown, but yeah. now it's Barracks Brown, um, Barracks Brown, and then the IPA. So yeah, those would have been like our kind of yeah. more stable beers right. back then, and they still kind of are. Those are still our core right. brands. Yeah. So, but it, it has really changed. Um, Especially in Calgary, there is so many new breweries opening up. I can't even keep track of them. Like it's when I started in the industry in Calgary, you could fit every brewer in Alberta around this table, and you could have a couple which beers is to get not together. the table from uh, Tim Burton's original Batman. It's a much smaller one. No, it's it's like eight, eight people, people. like yeah. eight people. You could fit every brewer in the entire province around this table right. and sit down and have a beer. Now there are so many people like there's stuff in Medicine Hat and Lethbridge and, you know, like even every, every time we have like, uh, we have this thing called a unity brew every year where we get some uh, ingredients donated by uh, one of the local malting companies and we do a brew that the proceeds go to support the Alberta Small Brewers Association. Oh, cool. And every year it gets bigger and bigger. You know, the last one there was, uh, well, I missed the last one because I was out of the province, but the previous year. There was almost a hundred people there, you Holy know, God. and it's people that I'm just like, oh, where are you guys from? And it's like, oh, from this small town. I'm like, I didn't even know there was a brewery there. <laughs> well, congratulations. But even so. in Calgary, we I've noticed. So I went on my trip to, uh, I've forgotten their name again, Willow Park. I, I, my brain says WI, and I'm like, wild. No, nope, nope. that's here. Yeah. Um, there was Dandy, who I'd never heard of. They're fantastic. They're making excellent beers. The only the only drawback about Dandy is that they only bottle like three at a time. So they have like three brands and bottles, maybe four. But if you go to their tap room, they always have excellent, amazing beers really? on tap. Yeah. And their tap room is the size of smaller than most bedrooms. It, oh, wow. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. You go in and. Uh, these are North American bedrooms, just yeah. about the size of a regular UK one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's very small. Um, they're actually working on building a bigger brewery right now, but they started super nano. Like, they right. were using the super small, I think, like, 200-liter plastic fermenters kind of oh, thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, great guys. They make fantastic beer. Can't uh, can't promote them enough. Yeah. They do great stuff. So, I've already packed in my bag. Um, my flight leaves at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, I've already got packed uh, a dandy bottle. Um and uh, also one by Bandit. Oh, yeah, Bandit. Yeah. Which I honestly only bought because it comes in this the biggest can I've ever seen. Oh, the they do can? the 946 yeah. mil cans. And yeah. I was like, I, I've never heard of these guys, but buying this. Oh, wait, they're from Calgary? It's yeah. literally my, my interaction with it. And so I was like, I have to just because I. Who cans at a leader? They, uh, it's the, the crowler system. Have you seen it? It's like no. a growler, but it's it's basically you fill like the liter can yeah and there's like a little rotary crimping machine like and it recaps it, it and, and it caps them and you fill them one at a time and they wow. have this system like it's it's 
state-of-the-art kind of like a lot of smaller brew pubs in the states right. have it okay um like we still do the party yeah. pig thing which but... when i lived here i had a I had a party pig in my fridge for at least three years that was my standard i just come here yeah and Refill. swap them yeah. out yeah that's probably going the way of the dinosaur because the original company that made them went out of business Another company bought the patent, and they're going out of business. So the party pig is, we bought up as much stock of the supplies right. as we could, but it looks like that's not going to be a supported format for much longer. But I think we're leaning towards the Crowler system, so we'll be doing the leader cans as well. Okay. But that'll just be for sale here. They won't be yeah, in yeah. stores. So. Right. Um, it's what, 15 liter? The party, the party pig? pig, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Why don't yeah. I think 15? That would be way bigger than... Shelf. Yeah, it's big. Uh, it's like <laughs> 25 bottles of beer, essentially, yeah. so it's a flat plus one yeah. is, is what's in it. Um, yeah, and then you just pay a deposit of like 50 bucks or something like that? Or... Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. you just walk in and swap them. It was great. I always had good quality beer in my fridge. Oh, they're so convenient. Yeah. yeah people love them. Like, it's, it's going to be a sad day when they, they go for good in the last, the last uh, bladder, because they have like a bladder inside right. that's not reusable, so when the last one of those gets used up... Oh, I didn't up, realize, they, realize they weren't reusable. Yeah, there's a bladder inside that it's essentially got two chambers, one's filled with like vinegar and the other with baking soda, so you put it oh, in really? there... and that makes the CO2. You pressurize it, it pops, and basically that bladder just expands as you draw the beer right. out of it, so it keeps it under pressure. Right. It's it's an ingenious system. It's, it's a little more complicated than it needs to be. Which is, might be why... I think is yeah. why, and there's so many... There's so many competing systems now. Right. Like everybody's doing growlers and with the can growler yeah. kind of thing. It's it's so hard to for them to compete. You know. Yeah, it, but I mean, that was the best part was of uh, the party pig was that it, because it had this the bladder that filled the space. You have yeah. always had pressure. Yeah, it doesn't go stale. Yeah. Yeah, and versus like a growler, you you're not replacing that space the space the previous beers came from. So you yeah. just it's just gonna decarbonate in the bottle unless mm-hmm. you drink. Quick enough, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I've never really liked growlers, even mostly conceptually. Because let's be honest, I probably finished them in time to not really worry about the decarbonation. Yeah. But like, it just seems like not the best. Um, speaking of cans, though, we've noticed a big trend in Europe that um, a lot of smaller breweries are have just abandoned bottles and they're all going to yeah. cans. Um, and I was wondering if you see. See the same thing here, or is it is the bottle market still reasonable on, on the supply uh, side, the demand side? Yes and no. Um, you're, I think we're seeing a lot of that because for a long time there really wasn't any like equipment manufacturer serving the needs of the small and medium sized brewery with canning equipment. Like oh, it was okay. the sort of thing that it was a huge capital layout to buy like an industrial canner right? and they took up a lot of space and they, you know, they, they filled a lot of cans real fast, but it's like, you know, we don't, you don't need to need fill that, that many. Do you, right. what, do you, what do you have that's small and cheap that we can fill slow and whatever, yeah. you know, and get At our, our base, yeah. yeah, exactly. To get our product on shelves and cans because uh, let's face it, like here, the can is a far better package. Because it's opaque, you know, even your brown glass it's is still translucent. Yeah. It's still going to get let some UV light through, so you're still going to get light struck hops and skunkiness yeah. from it. And, uh, you know, there's this wrap of, you know, cans give like a tinny flavor, but they don't do that anymore. That's like just the saying, 70s, you yeah, know? Like that's, I don't remember the last we, time I've... I do, actually. I think it was when I was traveling from North Africa and had 
had a Coke um, in a really small town and had no idea how long it was on the shelf. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was also made of cane sugar. So the, the good and the bad sort of was like, this is the weirdest tasting Coke I've ever had. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I wasn't angry about it. But other than that, um, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I had any sort of tinny taste on, on a beer. Yeah, that, that's like a myth from the 70s when they were basically putting beer in soup cans, you know. Right, like, yeah. you don't get that anymore. So the can is a, a far more superior package. And you've got companies that are actually building small-scale canning equipment that works for very small breweries. So you right. see, seeing a lot of people switch over to that because it is a, it's a better package. And I mean, especially in Alberta too, because it's a very outdoorsy province. So people want something that it's like, I'm on the ski hill. I want to put a can in each pocket. I want, right. I want to drink it on the lift, crush the can, put it in my pocket. And then I don't have to worry about carrying a bottle somewhere to get rid of it. So, or packing it in when you're camping or hiking. Right. I didn't even think about crushing cans. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely better if you're going on a hike or right. a picnic or whatever, yeah. you know, so, or golf courses, um, planes, you know, like, we're not on any airlines yet, but most airlines have a no glass policy for, yeah, exactly. for yeah, bottles, yeah. so things like that. I, this is this is why we talk to people actually in the business. I yeah. never would have thought about, yeah, I, you only get cans on planes. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the best you can hope for in Canadian Airlines not Canadian Airlines, that's long defunct, um, <laughs> is Heineken. Yep. Yep. Heineken still, still the, still the best you'll get. Yeah. yeah. It's either that or Coors Lighter or good old fashioned Molson. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Alaskan Airlines actually stocks craft beer. Really? I've never flown Alaskan, but I think that they, they stock like Alaskan brewery and like Yukon and oh, some I of the really Pacific. like Yukon. They make great beer. Yeah. That, I, I think their espresso stout is my favorite stout. Oh, God, that is a really, really good beer. I was so sad I couldn't find it at Willow Park. I was like, like I made a beeline for, for where Yukon mm. is. I'm like, just, I would buy a box, even if I can't drink it all in the next couple of days. Um, but I'm going to have to probably later tonight visit a couple of liquor stores and see if I can track mm. it down. It's such a quality beer. Oh, it's so good. And I think... Not sure. It might be seasonal or or something that I because it seems to like not be available all no, the time, like, or it might just be demand. It might uh, just be flies off the shelf and then it takes a while yeah. to restock. But. Um, it uh, definitely was a regular like all year round thing in 2010. Yeah, yeah. sure that no, nothing has changed in the last seven years. That might have <laughs> was that when it was still in the big bale top bottles with the flip tops. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Those are really good. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that and I think. Um, I saw a tree, actually, in Willow Park. I hadn't had a tree yeah. beer in a long time. Although they changed brewers in 2008, I think. Yes. Um, it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, it's, it's weird how that difference can make a difference, you know, like yeah. like one person on a team. It, it yeah. can make tasteable differences, you know. Like with well, very... I can't remember what it was called, but they had a Honey Pilsner. Mm-hmm. And then they renamed it, I think it was Beaver something. On the new line, and it was supposed to be the same thing, or at least it had it, and it just wasn't. It was um, real shame because uh, you don't see a, I've not seen a honey pill since, and it was such a unique yeah. and refreshing, like exactly what you want. So I used to um, teach rock climbing. Oh, yeah. And um, with our like a portable rock climbing wall, so half our gigs were like going to small town over to Saskatchewan and um, teaching kids with nervous in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how to how to climb, and then the other half gigs were like things like Stampede and Klondike Days and whatever small town equivalent was. Yep. Um, and on those those latter type of days, it was there's nothing finer than like just 
after a long day in the sun of belaying progressively drunk people <laughs> to have this this sweet carbonated but nuanced tasty beer refreshing yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and um yeah i said that don't have that job anymore so i'll probably i'll live i think yeah wow yeah so um is this your first beer job no um, I actually started, I went the opposite direction. Most people kind of start in their garage and work their way up. I started with the, a big national. I actually started off with Labatt's. Um, I did a degree at the uh, University of Western Ontario in London uh, in English and history. I was lucky enough to know somebody who had an in in the, uh, the personnel department at Labatt's. So, uh, nice. his mom was their head of personnel there. So know someone. Yeah. yeah. So I, so I got a summer job there, worked, worked there for a couple summers while I did my degree at just on the packaging line, running the, uh, machines, dropping bottles into boxes. After I finished my degree, there was not much going on in Ontario. The economy was pretty bad at that time. So I, I threw in a resume to see what would happen. And they called me up and I worked in the brewing department there for a few years. Nice. So, and you, you threw in a resume in general or like, in, towards brewing no it was it, again it was i was just looking for a job at that time it's so weird that when people ask me how i got into the industry kind of thing it's like you couldn't do this now this yeah that doesn't exist because there are so many people coming out of school with like degrees and certificates in brewing yeah who want to do this so bad people who've been home brewing since they were like 16 years right. old Whereas I was just like, this is a job it'll do for now when i worked at labatt's right so i did that for a couple of years and then uh I quit that job to go traveling. I uh, traveled overseas for a few years. I met my wife, who's from Calgary. So oh. I ended up moving That's out to Calgary. Okay. That's what brought me here. And I hit the ground That's in Calgary. That's what brought you here. Let's be nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I hit the ground in Calgary. And I was I had intended to be like, oh, I'll just see whatever's going on. Uh, Similar approach. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be like, oh, you know, construction or oil and gas or whatever. I'll get a job in what they're hiring for everything out there. Yeah. And so I picked Run, up. Run, when was this? This would have been 2005. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, so, just, I was trying to track yeah. how close we were to when oil and gas first blew up. It was super booming at the time. Yeah. Like it was, I, I, you know, in my life, it was like back when I was in Ontario, it was the kind of thing, if you saw somebody driving a Hummer, you were just like, oh my God, somebody's driving a Hummer. Right. And when I came out here, I'm just like, every stoplight, you're beside two Hummers. You know, yeah. like everybody was driving an H2. Yeah. When I came out here, there was so much money and it was just being thrown around. And, and now the Hummer is a defunct brand. It certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> and so I opened up the phone book and I flipped to the yellow pages and I looked at breweries and I'm just like, huh, I wonder. Yeah. I called Big Rock and they basically hung up on me. Uh, I've got a, I've got a friend who's worked off and on with Big Rock and, uh. I have friends who work there too, yeah. but I mean, I called like, well, their front desk. I was gonna like, say, they're, they're a fairly closed organization. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, yeah. one of those places where you, you know, you know, you just have to build up your rapport with them before yeah. you have a chance at even any, even in like, a low end job, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. for sure. And I'm sure their, their receptionist gets like a hundred calls a yeah, day yeah, from right. people like who want jobs. And I'm just like, are you hiring? And it was like, nope, not hiring. Yeah. And I called Wild Rose and they pretty much gave me the job over the phone. Oh, wow. So they're like, do you have any experience? And I'm like, well, this is what I did. I worked for Labatt's and they're like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> You've got the job if you want it. You should get, we're, we're pretty small. You should come down and, and see what we're all about. And we were, this one, we were at the old, old location that was right. like basically a garage out in uh, the southeast. That's right. And when did this tap room open? Yeah. Uh, this would have been 2000. 
seven or eight. Six ish. Yeah, that's right. If I've been here eleven years, I actually helped pour some of the concrete in the floors here, so that that was like my oh, wow. within like six months of working here. So that would have been about oh five, oh six. Yeah, so. that makes sense. I was gonna say because now that I think about it, I had those party picks for a number of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and so and you've been here ever since. Yeah, been here ever, again, it started off as like just a this is a job it'll do for time and then I fell into the industry and this is what I do now, yeah. you know, it's again, and I tell people, it's like, you couldn't do that now. No. There are so many people, eager people who want to do this because it's such a hip industry and it's so, well, people was, really want to be, want to be involved. So that was uh, going to be my next question, um, which is, uh, so when I left in 2010, um, North America was mid craft brew sort of um, hipness. Hipsters were, were really into craft beer, um, but it was still, I mean, you wouldn't, you couldn't find it. You still had to know which bars would have decent beer in Calgary yeah. kind of thing. There were, there were plenty, but you can just be like, oh, let's go into this bar and they'll have something. Yeah. It's not, you know, a huge, a huge brand. Um, I'm just wondering how much has changed sort of in the past seven or, or, or even just since you moved here. Um, um, it's probably a better narrative than. There's still. The, yeah, it's, it's still really hip. Like it, it, it's still like considered, you know, like a hipster thing. But by the same token, every bar's got something. Like I, I can't even remember the last time I was at like a bar that didn't have at least one craft beer or even like you know a pseudo craft beer on tap. You know, like even like dive bar, sports bar, everybody's right. got at least something, and you find that like. A lot of, uh, and a lot of that has to do with, like, if you look at, like, the way the sales work, like, our sales team, and the way that, like, people who work in, like, beer sales, so much of that is such a personal thing. Like, it's somebody who's like, this is about my personal relationships with these bar managers. Right. And we've got a lot of people who came from Big Rock, and our CEO of the company now is a guy who came from Big Rock, but he came from Molson's after that. And so these okay. are people that they come into the company and being like, I'm a professional beer salesman. I've been doing this all my life. I have relationships all over town. Right. I can get our beer on at these places because I know this guy. Right. I can bring him a beer and say, look, you can sell this. Yeah. So old school on. proper yeah. sales. Old school sales for sure. Like, and a lot of the big brands for years got used to, they don't do sales. They take orders. Yeah. You know, where, where you don't, uh, like they would say, you know, I haven't seen a sales guy for, Molson's or Labatt's, uh, you know, I haven't seen one of them in years. You know, I just order the keg and it's the same thing every month. You yeah. know, they take orders. They don't have sales teams. But we, we, we've got those old school salespeople on the ground, a lot of people with experience in the industry, and they've built up those relationships. So that's that's how you get tap handles at yeah. places, you know. So and But you're seeing it everywhere now, even in small towns. You know, you go to small towns and they might not have it on tap, but they've definitely got a couple of bottles and cans, a right. couple of craft beers, you know. So, so it's, it's sort of, it's hit the mainstream in the sense of, yeah, um, it's everywhere, just not drunk on it. Yes, this is true. Like, and I mean, like I said, we're one of the bigger small breweries and we're still 1% of the market. Yeah. You know, that shows you how much volume beer that the big brewers still sell. Like, like when you're talking about, there's no way we can compete with a company that can sell 36 can, a 36 can, one of those hex cubes yeah. at Costco for 50 bucks. You know, we can't yeah. compete with that, you know? So 
but we're not even trying to. I was going to say, but yeah. what? Yeah, that's we, we wouldn't want to. I mean, like, like, uh, you know, like Minhas is here in town and they actually compete on the same level as those guys. And in, you know, a lot of people, they get a lot of shit talked about them because they make, you know, kind of budget beer. Right. But the fact that they're a startup who's competing against these massive international corporations yeah. and they're doing it, they're doing it well, you know, good for them that, that that's like competing against McDonald's or Burger King. Right. Like, and they're know, doing it by sort of making the same quality of beer, yeah, but budget with, beer. Yeah. 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 It's, with, it's, with, oh, I'm assuming similar margins or the, closest Oh yeah. They can. Yeah. There's always going to be that market. There's always yeah. going to be people who it's, it's just about like, what's the cheapest thing on the shelf? You know, like that's what they're going to yeah. buy. And then you couple that with what am I used to? Yes. You don't go into, I mean, this is a thing people um, complain about movies when, when someone comes in and says beer. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, no one orders beer. You order yeah. something. Right? Yeah. Nobody um, says movie. I want to watch a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you, you, people, you can order like a gin and tonic and not say that gin, but yeah. you don't walk into a bar and say beer. Oh, in all my travels, it's yeah. very rare that it's not that same thing that I'm going to yeah. know. Oh, this is the local beer. I'll order that. Versus, yeah. I'll just walk in and say beer. Unless it's there's a super really bad language differential between me and the bartender, in which case I might have learned the word beer. Hopefully they'll give me something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and I, I think it's, um, it's odd, given that a lot of people just want a beer. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one of the... Uh, Things that uh, the craft enthusiasts will say um, often uh, are, are guilty of the pretentiousness slash prophetizing. Oh no, that's a bad beer. This is what good stuff is. Yeah, I think yeah. I feel like the shift I've noticed in the past five to eight ten years has been now you're seeing a lot more cat. Like when I lived here, um, I knew other people who liked craft beer and. It was very much an integral thing. Like, oh no, this is like this is the good stuff. You don't understand. Yeah, yeah. This is what beer can be. You need to try. It. Look how great it is. Yeah, that that stuff's piss. And now you, I'm seeing a lot more casual fans of craft beer in the sense of like it's been either it's been around for long enough or people are just less. Um, it's less integral to their identity that other people like things. But you're yeah. just seeing a lot more like, oh yeah, this is a really good beer. Full stop. Versus like. Or have you tried blah? A lot less pushiness or judgment, which yeah. I think can only help um, craft beer becoming just part of beer, which is basically where it's at now. I yeah. think in the UK and uh, and it, I think in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's de- you're definitely seeing that here. Even like like I was just recently home to visit uh, my parents in Ontario. Like I'm from Ontario yeah. originally. And, uh, like, I'm from a very small town. Like, I grew up on a farm outside of a town of, like, 800 people. There's a craft beer bar in my hometown now, like a local pub that uh, that oh, they... Man, craft? Yeah. Uh, no, they, they still sell more Bud Light than they sell anything else, but they do have taps from a bunch of local, the close local right. breweries kind of thing. And it just blows my mind, you know, because this is a place that when I was growing up, there was, you know, there was the Legion and there was the hotel. You know, right. there was two places to drink and you were drinking... You know, Molson, Old Vienna, or or fifty or something. Right. You know, like yeah. and but now there's there's places there's a place in my hometown where you can go and sit down and have like a draft craft beer. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the small towns in and around that area, there's these super small nano breweries popping right. up. You know, like 
London, Ontario's got a couple now. Sarnia's got one. Oh, really? Like Strathroy and Seaforth and, you know, Blythe. You know, like there's all these small towns. There's little stuff popping right. up everywhere. So, Which is hilarious um, from my point of view. Having moved to the UK where there's a whole bunch of small-scale brewing because that's how the UK is. That's mm-hmm. how it always yeah. has been, right? Pubs used to have their own beer uh, and then some... Some companies would serve as multiple pubs, but it's it, like it's um very much integral to like it's part of the the thing is like you go into a pub and you find out what beer they have and it's different all across the country. But now we're seeing, but a lot of those beers were very similar. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And uh, and now we're seeing that the craft movement come from North America, where craft and microbrewery are pretty synonymous. Here, here in the UK, you have sort of microbreweries and you have old breweries which do small sales, and then kind of not quite the same because that craft angle uh, is different because it's not just here's the recipe we've had for you know hundred years and we're just gonna keep making it. Now it's like oh well now now some of these places are are now we're having brewers who are servicing and sort of replacing in some cases these small brewers, yeah, um, who are all closing down anyway. This has the market shifted? Yeah, it's changing. But we're, yeah. um, it's really interesting because you're kind of seeing this. Um, there was this dying. So camera, the campaign uh, for real ales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the the real ale folk are really about preserving that identity of all these mm-hmm. things, like Cascale. Yeah, for Cascales, yeah. and that's the big thing for them is Cask versus Keg, and most craft brewers in, in the UK are Keg brewers. Or reliable, similar yeah. to the bottle and can conversation, yeah, kind of right. Um, and but you're also seeing now the craft brewers and the camera folk sort of um, speaking. When the, in the past five years they've been very much at, at, at odds, now they're seeing, oh, this is about just a good ale in a cask or a keg, it doesn't matter, but let's promote good beer and while ideally retaining the heritage that Britain has because no one else uses casks. Yeah. Um, so there is that thing, uh, and you can actually get some uh, some beers in either or, depending on the bar, oh, from, cool. from different brewers, and, and it's very different. You can actually taste the difference, which is nice. But I, this it's really an interesting trend of like all these old school like neighborhood pub brewers are dying, but they are actually getting sort of sixty forty percent replaced by craft brewers as that comes in. So the big guys aren't just filling the gap, even though yeah. that's what was sort of forecasted. Because craft brewery has become really big in uh, like London, Bristol, Manchester, a couple of big, yeah, big cities, um, which is nice. It's nice to see that uh, uh, craft beers are a thing, not just in North America, which was the case for a while. Well, and so much of that is that weird dynamic that goes back to prohibition, you know, because in Canada and the states, like back pre-prohibition. There were regionals, you know, like every city because, you know, like you didn't have refrigerated transport. So it's like every town or city would have had, you know, your local brewery within, you know, probably 20 or 50 kilometers that that's where you got the beer from. But then, you know, because Canada had prohibition too, but just after it was before the states and when they finished it up, it was just kind of like. The, the federal government just said, we'll just let the provinces decide. Yeah. So you ended up with this weird patchwork legislation all across Canada and such like weird sort of thing. And all those breweries ended up getting bought up by the big nationals. 
Right. So it took us a long time to recover from that. And so we're coming back to that, you know, regional sort of thing, you know, and, and see a lot of places developing regional flavors and regional styles again, like the like the East Coast IPAs right. now, the new big thing like that, and like the West Coast IPAs. And, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think that that I mean this, this is exactly the, the refrigeration thing is why we had all these sort of pub specific mm-hmm. or town village specific yeah. beers that just lasted longer than technology warranted them to be in yeah. the UK. Up, but, um, I read it and I, I didn't realize that, but some millennials, uh, oh, drinking, those millennials, yeah, right, they're ruining everything. They they're, they're ruining. drinking less alcohol. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I, I found this super shocking. I read like, two different articles the past couple weeks that millennials are drinking less alcohol per, per person Wow. Um, than, than previous generations. Huh. Part of me thinks it's probably just the general thing that millennials are poor because the economy is fucked. It's quite possible, um, yeah. But that, but that, I mean, with super cheap beer, you got to wonder if that's the case. Or, um, yeah. Apparently millennials are drinking less. I could also see that maybe stemming from, like, going out less. Because it used to be that if you wanted to see a movie, you had to go out. If you right. wanted to see your friends, you had to go out. Now it's like you got movies at your house, you've got social media, you don't have to go out to a bar anymore. Right. And you can't even yeah. play video games at a land cafe because those have been long dead. Yeah, those, those <laughs> don't exist anymore. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, uh, I don't know very many people our age-ish who go out more than once a week, if that. Oh, God, yeah. And I know, yeah. I know people sort of my parents' generation or somewhere in the middle who don't really know how to cook. Yeah. And sort of, they go out several times a week. And that, yeah. like you said, would mean several glasses of wine or even just one several yeah. times. And that, that's enough. Uh, I don't, when I'm cooking, I don't think of booze. But when I'm at a restaurant, it's because they're on the two pieces of paper beside each other. Yeah. 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 It's, that's very smart, um, quick, quick analysis you just threw out there. That's just, well, it just seems like society yeah. in general is getting more insular where people are staying home and not uh, not going out and drinking and stuff. I was perusing this random site. I had no idea that Mill Street opened an actual brewery here. There is a Mill Street branch out here, yes. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's the old uh, the old Republic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they, like, gutted it, tore it, like, to basically, like, gutted the whole thing and spent millions of dollars like refurbishing it it's beautiful uh, but it's uh yeah yeah it's been open for a couple of years and it's so it's a it's a tap room as well as uh yep. as an actual yep brewery very small brewery though like they're doing like basically like small local stuff but okay. uh yeah. i was wondering because i mean yeah. mill street's fairly large toronto brewery and i was yep. wondering if uh if it was like a location that they somehow were gonna cover western canada or whether it was more nominal no, it's 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 pretty small. I think right. they're still shipping in the big brands yeah. from Toronto, but they're coming out with some neat stuff out of there. Good little restaurant too. So, oh, cool. yeah, yeah, it is kind of very different. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of wild that well because there's a Big Rock in Vancouver now. Like, they, like they, yeah, Big Rock opened up a Vancouver branch. So wow, yeah, I know it's kind of astonishing how. So wait, is there like, like a Granville Island Brewery in Edmonton or something <laughs> I should know about? Not yet. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah. I have, I've been really out of touch with the Calgary scene because usually when I'm in town, it's just business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can't know, believe how many like... different places. Uh, so you've brought uh, a couple tasters of something or other. Yeah, we got a couple different things. We should probably actually, let's switch these up. Just going to ask. Okay. 
So what we've got here is uh, we've got our cowbell and our ponderosa gosa. These are a couple of sours. So okay. these are the two sours we do right now. Um, the cowbell is a year round. The ponderosa gosa is a an all summer seasonal, but it's going to be like a repeating seasonal. Okay. So at least that's the idea is we hope to like bring it back every summer. And which which um, extends to a question I was going to have. But why don't we taste this? Sorry, what was it? The uh, this is the cowbell. The, the cowbell. First one. Yeah. And this is so. a year round offer. Uh, yeah, this is a year-round offer. It's a kettle sour. It's a okay. it, it's a kettle soured wit with uh, lime leaf, with dried lime oh, leaf cool. on the finish. So, also pretty clean nose. Mm-hmm. Although now that I think about it, my vague years and years of drinking wild rose, you guys don't really do super nosy beers. Not usually. Yeah. No, our stuff tends to be pretty clean on the nose. Yeah. And, and these are also super cold right now. Like, these are, like, yeah, ice, insane. ice cold. Like, if you really, really work at it, you can get a touch of that lime leaf off it, but... Oh, yeah. A little bit. But, yeah, it's more of a, just a touch in the finish sort of thing. So, this is a... Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Sorry, you were saying this is no, a... No, this is a lactobacillus kettle sour. So, in the kettle, we hit it with lactobacillus. Right. You know, the same uh, microorganism that gives us, like, sauerkraut and yogurt right. and stuff. Uh, and uh, we let it do a primary fermentation. To, we get some lactic acid, get to that tartness. Then oh, okay. We, yeah. Then we boil it off, kill off that uh, that lactobacillus, right. ferment it, uh, and we ferment it out like normally with brewer's yeast. Right. So. Okay. So it's like a stage one. Oh, yeah. The lactobacillus is because it's very fragile. Like, it doesn't handle heat very well. So once you get it up over, like, 16 degrees, you're killed. So, oh, okay. So we boil that off, and then we it with regular brewer's yeast. It's a really light sour. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, which I guess makes sense for a year round. So, uh, Tanked Up has an interesting uh, relationship with sour beers because um, none of us are super big fans of sours. Um, I'm probably the most sour friendly. Um, and Bootsy, actually, last week claimed that the, they were growing on her. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, I think, in the past couple of years, we've just had some craft offerings that have been like, oh, sours exist. Why don't I punch you in the face with sour? Yeah, why don't um, I feed you malt vinegar? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, more sour than the average Lambic, but not by much. Yeah, Which is sort of my, my, my go-to, like, oh, you say you don't like fruity beers. Oh, you say you don't like sour beers. Have a Lambic. Try this, you'll, yeah. You'll, you'll, turns out you can do things in moderation. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well, that was kind of our goal with this, is we wanted to, and we found that this has been a pretty big hit with people who aren't normally beer drinkers, like people who might be wine or cider drinkers, actually. Oh, I can see this with yeah. cider drinkers. Yeah. Like a nice, especially like a cloudy cider, it's exactly sort of the same. It's so it's refreshing and tart. Yeah. 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 We didn't want to do something, uh, like, we, we still do big beers, too, but a lot of our stuff, we want to be approachable, you know, like, we're yeah. not too cool for school. We don't want to be those guys that it's like... You know, this beer is too much for you. You know, like yeah, which I think is is I think is a testament to not only Wild Rose but also we're seeing a lot more like uh, beer trends like that. Yeah, because I think craft brewers been around long enough yeah. that it's no longer fighting to show uniqueness and like this is what yeah. it's all about in that sort of rabid way I alluded to earlier. It's sort of like yeah. oh, why don't we? Try and make an interesting taste and one that more people might like. That's yeah. hard. That's just as hard as doing the tardiest or the most hoppy thing. Yeah. Oh, harder. 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 Yeah. I don't know why I said just as. As soon as I said that, I'm like, well, no. Yeah. You can just 
pop the hell out of something. And I was thinking, like, while being nuanced, but I didn't say that yeah. out loud. Um, this is really tasty. I see what you mean. Like, um, the lime sort of kicks in right, right around the finish. Mm. Yeah, just a little, little, little touch. Yeah, yeah, and I just linger just enough. Um, mm. Yeah, nice. I have no other word but limey. Yeah, yeah, it is. It yeah. is just that kind of yeah. like lime finish on it. Yeah, and it's nice and wet, so I'm not reaching for another beer. Yeah, yeah, it's very refreshing. It's a good yeah. summer day, good patio beer. Yeah, yes. Which it's not the same in the UK because they have beer gardens in some pubs, but also mm-hmm. it rains a lot. Yeah, but yeah. like the the ideas of like stretches like a week of just thirty degrees where everyone just looking for a patio is not not even a cultural consciousness yeah. in the same way. Like uh, when I yeah, describe it as a thing as a patio beer, like this is why lagers are very successful in North America. Yeah, you don't have those days. You don't need sort of the the cold, yeah. crisp, refreshing. Um. So the question I was going to ask um was uh seasonals. Um. Mm-hmm. So some some breweries, if you meant you alluded to that you sort of some seasonals you bring out every year. Yeah. And I was curious about the process of uh, how you guys approach seasonals. Are you looking for a year, a year's worth of regular season, seasonal beers? Yes. Or are you looking for always sort of innovating, never having a also a yes. set menu? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the latter is what's going to happen just because you can't be yeah. so lucky. But I'm just curious if, if you could have the former. Is that a goal or is it not so much? Um, all of the above. Um, it's because, like, we do our, our cherry porter. Our, Which I fucking love. Our much, uh, much ballyhooed, uh, in the, uh, what, thousand best beers in the world book kind of thing. Um, that, we do that every Christmas. That's yep. our, that's our traditional Christmas beer. Um, and this next beer, the one that we're going to drink after this, was our attempt to be like, well, we've got that at Christmas, but what if we had a summer beer too that we brought out every year summer year. that people anticipated, you know, that, right. that we, it's not year round, so they don't get used to it and take it for granted, but they know when summer comes, it'll be out. Yeah. So. But we usually, it, it's a little bit, it, it's kind of very hodgepodge. Like, we, we're very regimented in the sense that, like, all of the brewers, like, we'll sit down and kind of plot out what we want to do for seasonals for the next year kind of thing. Okay. Like, we'll sit down, and, and this is for the ones that go into bomber bottles, you know, the ones, the mass-produced seasonals kind of thing. And so, bomber bottles, you mean the, the big tall ones? 750s, yeah. yeah, the 750 bombers. And so we'll, uh, or 650s, rather, 750s are the Belgian bombers bigger ones but uh like we'll sit down and be like okay we're gonna do you know we're gonna do like a like a strong dark we're gonna do a smoke lager we're right. gonna do a northeast style ipa and, and this is approximately when we're gonna release those and when we get close to you know within a few months of those styles coming out what'll happen is we've got that 30 liter system right. here so a bunch of us whoever's got free time will come over and we'll throw together our own recipe on that and then when they're all ready, we'll sit down and sip them all and be like, okay, well, I really like this in yours, and but I'm right. not happy with that. And then we'll collaborate right. on a finished recipe. So that happens. But then at this specific brewery, this the one that I run here, the old one, we do a lot of uh, – we try to be more nimble here because we're small. Right. So we do Take a lot of, of it. Small. Exactly. Like, like, so we'll do a lot of uh, – Pardon me, like like uh, one-offs here, like like um, uh, like doing a like uh, liquor depot, which is a a chain of liquor stores. Um, they're opening a whole bunch new locations, 
and they approached us. Uh, they're all going to have growler bars in these new locations. Oh, wow. So they approached us and a bunch of other breweries in Alberta, and they want to have, when they open, exclusive beers on every tap. Right. So they approached us, uh, did a, uh, so I did up for them a Northeast style IPA, um, different from, cause we did a mass produced Northeast style IPA, uh, called High Harvest, came out back in April. Okay. But so I did, very completely different recipe, different hops, different right. malts kind of thing just for them. 2,000 liters, very limited. Right. Just did that, packaged that for them on Monday. Um, next week, I'm going to be brewing a Schwartz beer, like a black lager, cool. using malt, all malted by a local small Alberta, like very new small craft malting facility called Redshed Malting. Okay. So try and do a lot of that stuff out of here and a lot of that is like whenever time's permitting right so sometimes it'll be like yes we're going to do that and then it's four months before it happens but because right. it's only two thousand liters and it's draft only we don't have to have as much planning in right. regards to sales because we can say well we'll sell 10 kegs of it here right we'll sell you know we'd send our two or three of our best salespeople out be like hit up your key accounts and see how many right. kegs they want and be like Five kegs here, eight kegs there, boom, it's all sold. Right. You know, so it's uh it, it's a very patchwork, constantly fluctuating. So so thing. you so yeah. you're saying you have you have seasonals and then you have one offs. Yes. Yeah. Which then, of course, and then yeah. you have your thirty liter experiment. That's sort of yeah. the, the, the treadmill, right? That that's everything starts as a thirty liter experiment yeah. and then who knows where it's gonna go. Like I mean, that smoke dunkle we drank earlier is that's Going to my recipe book, I could probably yeah. tweak that a little bit, but there's no plans for that to become anything. But if we ever hit a point in the future where somebody says, hey, who's got a smoked uncle recipe? I'll pull out the binder and be like, I do. Got, got one yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very cool. So uh, for some reason, I thought you had a more stable set of seasonals, but maybe just because the last couple of years I remember had similar things. Yeah. Um, so I thought you had a, a, a saison, for example. We, we have had a saison, like, like a lot of that stuff is, it'll be one and done. And then sometimes it's not. Like, I mean, for a while we did our, uh, we had our California Kellerbach. So that was like a California lager, like the Anchor Steam yeast right. we used in that. And that came out as a one-off seasonal, but it was quite popular. So we rotated that into being a regular product for a while. And then it fell off yeah. in popularity. So we rotated it out. A lot of it is, it just kind of depends on, um, we got lots of good recipes. Uh, we make lots of good beer. Um, like we, like our 42 pale ale, that's something that we still make it for draft. There was a brief period when we made that, when we bottled that. Right. It was in our, when we had a, an IPA sampler pack. Oh, so cool. we had like three different IPAs in a 12 pack sort of thing. Um, but we don't make that anymore. Like again, so much of it is, it's people want variety. They, they want whatever. The new thing is, so you constantly, with craft beer, you've got to be giving people something new. You know? Yeah, well, so, that's what I was sort of wondering. Um, for seeing it, it's definitely in the UK culture, you, you, like, the the craft beer, like, unless you're one of the big guys who are sort of already not really considered craft in the same way, mm -hmm. um, you're seeing, like, you can get it when you get it. Like, yeah. Whatever you get, like, and part of that is a mystique, like, Cloudwater had their double IPA series. So mm -hmm. they um, sold two, so they made two different double IPAs, version one and version two, put yeah. them in the market. And based on feedback, 
made the three and four. Yeah. And they did that all the way to 12. So they built on the recipe according to customer feedback. And That's every cool. month they, yeah. And, but it was like, it was like a year long thing. Yeah. Um, but then afterwards they didn't release a DIPA. They didn't have yeah. a DIPA on their schedule. It's just like the 11 and 12 were based on the last set of feedback and they were by far, actually, I think the 10 might have exited out. I can't remember. We'll see later episodes. Um, <laughs> earlier episodes, whatever. Um, but like they had improved on things and you could taste yeah. the difference, but like, they were super hard to get get a hold of, and that was part of the mystique. And so, Cloudwater mm-hmm. has their regular beers, but they they also have sort of a third of their uh, the beers you get to see in a bottle shop at any one time are only going to be there for a short amount of time. And that's sort of how a lot of, except for a couple of new entrants, a lot of uh, the sort of craft um, smaller breweries are doing things in very small bursts, and that's it. And very much the culture is not one of stable um find again yeah and with a lot of the smaller breweries that are just up-and-comers right now you see that happening with a lot of them is is they'll have maybe one or two like like stable stable beers and then everything else will be like one and done get it get it until it's gone and then it's gone and it's gone for good kind of thing and i really like that i mean it's i understand why we do what we do um we're we're from another time. We're from like <laughs> ten years ago. Your OT craft. Yeah, exactly. Like a decade ago, things were different, and it's so hard to sit down and say, "Well, we've got to axe these because everybody loves a certain beer." Yeah, you know, and everybody's got their beers that they want to keep making. You know, so it's. But, uh, it, but I mean, that's I mean, that's the beauty of having um, an unstable seasonal selection. Yeah, is you get a you get you, get, you can literally bridge both generations. If you have the term, where yeah, you can have the reliable. I know, no matter what, if I walk into a pub in Calgary and ask for a velvet fog, they'll probably have one, and I'll probably be happy. They're like, oh, it's gone. In a way that, like, 15 years ago, you'd settle for a trad? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, but also being able to have sort of the Ponderosa Gosa, which we're about to have. Yes, we are. We're, we're about to have the Ponderosa Gosa. So this is our... Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's very different. Another sour beer, but yeah. this is a very different kind of sour. There's a sweetness to that nose. Yeah, like I want to say it's like a sour bubblegum sort of nose. Well, this is a it's a fruit beer, so it's uh, yeah, a light, almost like a Meyer lemon, like a sweet citrus. Uh, still passion a, fruit. Oh, that, yeah. that also works. That makes a lot more sense. Than and this is uh, this is a different type of sour. This is not a kettle sour. So right. this we actually used uh, acidulated malt. So the kind of uh, acidulated malt is something that comes from Germany. Because they've got the Rheinskabot there, so they can't add anything other than water, right. malt, hops, and yeast. In order for them to adjust the pH of their water, they have to use acidulated malt, which is malt that has been processed in such a way that it's naturally acidified. Okay. So we use that in this to give the sourness. We use naturally acidified uh, acidified malt in this. So it's Super also a sour beer, but very different. Um, it's got salt and coriander in it as well, because that is the, uh, I cannot remember for the life of me. I'm just going to look this up. The The name of the town. I totally feel that salt. That has the, uh, uh, where uh, Gosa is from. Originated in Goslar, Germany. And apparently it's it's uh, quite popular in uh, Leipzig. And so it actually, uh, they have uh, an exemption to the Rheinsgebot to allow them to add the coriander into oh. it. And the, it's made with naturally salted water from a salt spring, so they don't add the salt. It's so, just part of the water. Exactly. 
Um, but it's a naturally sour, salted, slightly spiced beer. Very tends to be light in the three-ish percent right. kind of range. So we did that, and then we broke the Rheinsgebot further by adding passion fruit to it. Because the passion fruit seems to provide a... It tastes almost like mixed citrus, you know? Like Yeah, you get well, a, that's why, like yeah, I said, I yeah. thought it was... I was trying to grasp for what citrus was giving me all those tastes, and it was not a citrus. Yeah, and, and it gets you, like, you get a little lemon, a little grapefruit, yeah. but, it, but it's just uh, passion fruit that's added to it, yeah. Also, as soon as you, like, my sip after you mentioned salt, I, I realized that's what was bringing out so much of the taste, mm-hmm. the natural taste bringing out this salt, technical term. Yeah, but it, but it's so subtle, eh? Like, it doesn't taste salty. It's just, no. I Like, when I describe it to people and I say salty and they're like, eh, and I'm like, well, it's kind of like Gatorade because Gatorade's a little salty. salty. But it, this is even less so than that, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, you don't taste the salt. It's more of a, it just kind of activates it's those. the after effects of salt rather than the taste yeah, of salt. It just yeah. activates those uh, taste buds on the side of your tongue where you taste salt. It just yeah. kind of. You feel them tingle, but you're not tasting it salty like, you know, you would if you were eating french fries or chips or something, you know? Hmm. A few sips ago, I thought I might have tasted a little of the coriander seed, but so well blended in there, I can't find it again. I don't know if that's just because I heard coriander, it's like, oh, there it is, versus I actually tasted it. Now I can't find it. It's Um, it's very subtle in this, too, and especially with that, because coriander's got that slight citrusiness to it, too. So with the citrus and the coriander, it really kind of all blends together, so... Now, Lucy last week had uh, a beer. It had coriander seed, but she also tasted a bit of the soapiness, which you usually get from coriander leaf. Yeah. Um, so when you said coriander seed, I was like, oh, shit. I've just heard about seed overpowering things. Totally not the case with me. Like I said, I I, I, I only de- I detect the saltiness because of just how much it brings the rest. Hmm. And like you said, it, it brings taste out on other parts of the tongue. Yeah, it's and less I, is more with most things in beer. You yeah. Know? Like, a lot of people, especially, like, with, like, Christmas beers and pumpkin ales kind of thing, it's... Don't get me started on, quote-unquote, pumpkin spice, I'll kill someone. The spice box, the whole spice yeah. box goes in. Um, the, everything yeah. but pumpkin, because pumpkin's not much of a taste. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. a beer without the spices, you don't taste the pumpkin. Like, yeah. Like, the... Yeah, like, Alley Cat out of Edmonton actually makes a really good pumpkin pale ale because it's not spiced. Like it's, Which I, I bet because they're apricot. Yeah. really tasty, and that's the yeah. apricot. Like, so they clearly, like, know how to make a stable fruit. Yes. Yes. And it's it's the only pumpkin beer I could have more than one pint of, because it doesn't taste like that fake, where, Christmas. It's, all, where it's all clove and cinnamon. Yeah. And, yeah. A little it's, bit it's of all... nutmeg, maybe. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, if there's one thing that we, uh, agree on, on Tanked Up more than, um, sours being less ideal, although, like I said, um, quite good um is that pumpkin beers are almost always terrible and it's almost always yeah. because of the not pumpkin part. yeah yeah exactly it's such a and it's a trend across everything yeah i know i know it's like i can you just call it christmas spice at least because yeah yeah i don't mind pumpkin i well, mean it's a it's almost too inoffensive as a gourd fruit because there's very little taste to it compared to like other squashes oh yeah yeah um but like it's not pumpkin yeah, it, it's, no, it, like what you said is exactly right. It is such, pumpkin itself is such a subtle flavor that without all those other spices, you probably don't even notice it. Well, and then they usually overpower it anyways. Yeah. Just what we've gotten used to calling pumpkin. Yeah, it, it's the spices. Yeah, it's pumpkin pie spice, yeah. Um, I really like this. Yeah, it's a very light 3.2%. Again, another good patio beer. Um, 
drink, mm-hmm. drink them all day. Yeah. Um, and it's also clearly sour, but not very sour. Yeah, it's not vinegar. It's you're not yeah. drinking vinegar. It's more like a very lightly sweetened lemonade kind of thing. Yeah, know? that's very, yeah, that's very apt. It doesn't taste like beer in that standard beer taste. Yeah, um, but it also doesn't taste like sour. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. there's a huge gulf between something like this and your like heavy barrel sours that are you know in, instant acid reflux kind of thing. And yeah, it's like, and I like those too, but they're very much uh, time and a place. Yeah, time and a place. Yeah, yeah. This is. Very much closer to a daily, uh, in the sense of almost any day you could yeah. pick this up and be like, oh, this is pretty tasty. And more so than the previous beer. Yeah. Which I think, again, and I think that has to do with the other beer being, having, it's, when it's sour hits, it's more intense. Yes. Oh, for sure. It's definitely more sour, sour. Yeah. 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 It's got that definite, uh, that lactic, very yogurty kind of sour yeah. you get off the previous one. Yeah. And so this is, um, this is on route to be your sort of summer offering. That, that's the, the general consensus right now. But I mean, like I said, everything's flexible yeah. and everything's a patchwork. So if this ends up being like a huge demand year round thing, who knows? But, right. uh, but right now, I guess the idea is that this is our just for summer. I well, mean, yeah, I think if it was minus 24, I well, wouldn't yeah. find this quite as appealing. So Probably not. See that. Yeah. But, um, but even on like a, a warm autumn or spring day, this is crisp enough. I alluded to this question, which I think will probably be our last question. Um, mm-hmm. First beer experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, first I, beer I experience. I said that ages ago, but... Man, other than the... Uh, other than the, the drinking, uh, you know, drinking the sips of Dad's beer kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, like having a beer. Having a beer? I think it might have been... Uh, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, and I'm sure, you know, like, I wasn't a big partier in high school. Like, I was a huge nerd, so I didn't do it. And I didn't think I liked beer, because, you know, you, you taste, taste like, it bad. You take, like, Molson's and, like, Labatt Blue, like, you know, sorry, Labatt's, you know, they got me into the industry, but, you know, you taste those beers that people drink, and you're like, I don't like this. Why? W-? And then be like, oh, you just have to have enough of it. Why yeah. would I want to have enough of it? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's a cheap way to get drunk. Drunk is fun. Oh, I see. But, I, but in high school versus college, that's a big yeah. gap. I think it would have been a friend took me out, and this is like your classic. Uh, I remember there was some stand-up comedian who actually had a bit about this. It's like when you go out drinking underage kind of thing. You're right. Because I was still, like in Ontario, the drinking age is 19. And so I would have been 18 when I went away first to university. And a friend of mine took me out to a bar, and it's like – and. and the stand-up comedian did the bit about you put on a tie because you think that's what adults do when they go to a bar. And I actually did. I actually put on a tie because awesome. I'm like, this is what you do when you go to a bar, right? You put on a tie like you're going for a job interview or something. Right. And, and, well, you know, like I said, yeah. I'm from like this small town of 800 people. I'm a country bumpkin in London, Ontario, the big, the town, big city, the big city yeah. of London, Ontario. And he's like, we'll go. He's like, they won't card you here. They won't card you here. And it's like, well, I better put on a tie. They'll know I'm a grown-up, you know. And then they card you. No, no, okay. I was, but I was like probably like two months away from being right. legal kind of thing. So we go in there. And I think it was a pint of Guinness, actually. I oh. think that was it, I, because again, it was the kind of like that's that's what adults drink, right? You know, yeah. they drink a pint, a pint a hearty, of Guinness, yeah, yeah hearty beer, <laughs> yeah. And and I actually liked it, you know. And and again, that was like and uh, 
where you hit a point where you're like, oh, so this isn't the, you know, like Molson Canadian or Labatt yeah. Blue or whatever. There's actually beer out there that's different that's good. So Guinness was my beer for a couple of years because yeah. um, two things. Um, one, uh, it had a taste that mm-hmm. wasn't kind of bleh. Um, and, and two, the thing that got to me about beer is getting the words of carbonation. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've never had the thing that everyone complains about with Guinness because it's a creamy stout is that it's super filling. It's and, not, though. I know, right? I don't it's understand. It's a super light beer. Right. And so people yeah. are like, how do you do that? It's like, it's like drinking a loaf of bread. I'm like, no, it's really not. Like, yeah. I, and like, if I needed to get drunk or like I wanted, I mean, except for the prohibitive price compared to things, like, yeah, I could way easier pound a bit Guinness than any other beer because there's so few bubbles. It, yeah, which was smooth. What, which which is yeah. what always got me when about pounding a beer. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna need to burp halfway through. And then that led me to my 19th birthday, where mm-hmm. um, people decided they knew Guinness was my drink. So Albert is an 18, 18 year old um, drinking age. Wow, Bill, losing your words. <laughs> um, yeah, so you have to be 18 <laughs> to drink. Uh, and so it was a couple years of me, right? And it yeah. was a year of legal drinking just Guinness, basically. Uh, and, uh, and people were just like buying me pints of Guinness. And then if I had more, if I already had a uh, Guinness for each hand, I had to finish one of them because there was no one coming. And that's what led to my nine Guinness in 45 minutes. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then there were a few shots and then I tapped my roommate on the shoulder being like, I need to go home now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was the shortest birthday party ever, less than an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Like that 45 minutes and then a, like 10 minutes of like, he had five shots or something. And it was like, I, I I'm done. But yeah. like, there's nothing to pounding a Guinness after Guinness because well, like, it's, it's like it, water. Yeah, it yeah, just goes it, down. Yeah. It's not that heavy and it doesn't have carbonation. I, to this day, I don't quite get what people mean by it's super filling except for it has that creamy texture. I think people just think because it's dark that it's going to be heavy, but Guinness is actually super light in yeah. body. Like, like I, I've got acid reflux and I find that carbonation actually usually aggravates that. Yeah. So I usually tend towards like stouts and porters and lower carbonation, you know, and that doesn't bother it, you know. Right. So yeah. So if, if you need to pound a beer, you got a pound of beer. Yeah. Choose Guinness. Choose yeah. Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> this is our expert advice. Yeah. Trust but, us. Yeah. We're professionals. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're an actual professional, and yeah. I just do this on iPod or iPhone or whatever. Um. Cool. Well. Um. Thanks so much for uh, giving me some time, and it was lovely meeting you. Oh person. yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. Do you have anything to plug? Um, just Wild Rose Brewery, Calgary, Alberta. Um, and other than us, they're like closing in on like a dozen other great breweries in Calgary now. Um, it used to be that it was just you know, Stampede and Oil was pretty much the only things going on here. Yeah, but we're cowboy after. culture for ten days a year. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But we're you know closing in on becoming like a beer and food destination. So. If you're looking for a place, just don't come during Stampede. Um, yeah. Come off season; uh, it'll be cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be able to get a hotel room and a flight for a reasonable price. And check out the breweries if you're into coming places to check out beer. Come to Calgary; there's there's a lot going on now. So. Um, do you have a Twitter you want to share? I don't have a Twitter. Cool. So then, um, can I get if 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 people are in the area of Wild Rose distribution, which Wild Rose beer would you recommend they try? Oh man, I know. I just, I just hit you with a really tough question. It's that's unanswerable because it really depends on what their personal taste is, and it depends on if they come to the tap room here, 
like there's many things that are on draft only here that I would recommend try the draft only stuff at the tap room um, as opposed to stuff you could find at the liquor store. Like at the liquor store, you're going to find our brown ale, our IPA, our raspberry, velvet fog, which is our wheat ale. Um, You're going to find the Ponderosa Gosa and tall cans. You're going to find our electric avenue. Which yeah, is, what is that, by the way? I'm not familiar with it. It's, it's a craft lager. Oh, okay. So it's it's uh, in and around the uh, you know like 10 to 15 IBUs. It's uh, it's the kind of thing that that it, it is our olive branch towards your dad and uncle who only drinks coconut kind right. of thing. Um, but still well made beer. Like I'll drink that any day of the week. It's 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 a well made craft lager. Excellent. Those so, are actually quite hard to to find. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. It, it, and it's it's uh, a lot of that is economics of scale because loggers take almost twice, if not three times, as much in the tank. Right. So most craft breweries don't do them because you don't want to tie up a tank a for cost. Yeah. a month and a half when you could turn it over three times and sell three times as much ale. So but we're big enough that we can actually do a logger now. So that's Excellent. why we do that. Yeah. Oh, cool. But yeah, a quick taste of that. Um, awesome. So. Um... You answered exactly how I thought you would. That's not really a question, but I, I really wanted to see. I kind of wanted to see you try, try, try everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If, if you're in Calgary and you see Wild Rose beer, drink it. Drink them all. Yeah, yeah. That's that's drink, the answer. Drink all of them. Really. Yeah, we have a good healthcare system as well, so yeah. drink all of them. Too fast, don't worry. As, I'm as, joking. As, drink as, responsibly. As much as they'll give you until they throw you out. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, as always, you can reach me at the Omniarch or on Tanked Up underscore Cast is our Facebook. And of course, Facebook is so our Twitter at tanked up underscore cast, just look at tanked up cast on Facebook. And of course, we are part of the Out of Lives Network, outoflives.net. Um, that's all she wrote. Thanks again, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, Adil. Awesome. You want a taste of something? You want a taste of something small? Something very different from sure. these? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to use the bathroom. Okay. I'm going to leave this recording. Um, go around here, and then it'll be a second door on your right. Perfect. Uh, it's it's on the toilet. Okay. So just follow that big sign that's the bathroom? Yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs>